the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Well, everybody, welcome to The Kingdom and Its Stories. And we have uh, a little uh, out of the pattern that we normally do. Normally, we we just interview um, uh, people for one segment. But last week's segment was so good that we wanted to continue it this week. And, um, and in, in this, um, in this second version of this particular edition of the Kingdom of the Stories, we're interviewing Kendall Key and Rick McCafferty from Blue Sage. Hello. Blue Sage is a, is a ministry to, um, to Native American people, but not restricted exclusively to Native American people. And the 20 some uh, tribes or nations that are represented uh, in Arizona. And, um, and so we, last week we, we talked to Kendall and he shared his story with us, which is a beautiful story. And we ended up um, with I think something that really bears repeating this this week, and that is how do you how do you begin as a as the kind of person you are who's listening to this program? How do you begin to help people like Kendall see that they are valuable and that you you recognize them as human beings? And Kendall was telling us just look at us, just roll the window down and say something like, God bless you. Mm-hmm. Just acknowledge the human, the humanity of the people on the street who are begging, who are broken, who don't feel like they're anybody. But you can just acknowledge their presence the fact that they're there, that they're human beings, and, they, and don't don't avoid their look. Yeah. Look at them, yes. and not with an angry look, but look at them with the look of, "Hello, friend." Absolutely, I see you. Yeah, I of- recognize that you're hurting, and so, anyway, um, uh, so we want to go on, and and this this week, Rick McCafferty. Um, I, I want to find out and in an elevator speech, um, 
not speech, but elevator sharing. <laughs> Who is Rick McCafferty, and how did you get involved with Blue Sage? Well, <clears throat> I'm going to introduce myself this way. I'm Inupak from Kikiktagruk, Alaska, on my mom's side. Inupak, they call us Eskimo, and Kikiktagruk is Kotzebue, land of the midnight sun. And that's from my mom's side. My mom said my dad was a Cherokee man, and I had a great-grandpa that was Portuguese and a grandpa that was German. But my dad was never in my life. He found out mom was pregnant and didn't want anything to do with her. He was an Air Force man. So I was mm. raised by stepfathers. So how did I come with Blue Sage? I met Kevin Molson at um, Sacred Ground. We started Sacred Ground together. Kevin took it and started started growing, you know, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of God. But the company that we worked for took their eyes off of God, and so it closed down. But in the process, when Kevin was let go, God placed on a, a little uh, Chupik Eskimo from Alaska, his heart, tell Kevin that his ministry is going to be bigger than what he left or what he was mm -hmm. um, taken away mm -hmm. from. And so I passed it on to Kevin, and I had the same thing as I was proceeding to come down here to Phoenix to see him. And, um, well, three years later or two years later, uh, it's bigger than what Sacred Ground was, and it's still growing. So that's how I knew Kevin, and my heart has always been to help our Native American people because of the high-rate suicide, the high-rate of domestic violence, the high-rate of child molestation. And I say that, but it's not just our Native Americans. It's all cultures. So we are, our motto is all nations, one people. Yep. Okay. So, um, I like we, that. Yeah, so we really serve everyone, but we tar target our Native Americans because of the high rate of homelessness and addiction and suicide. Like I said, we want to give them a place of hope, and that's what Blue Sage is. It's a path of hope for them. Okay, you talked about it being larger than it was before. Mm -hmm. Give us some numbers so that we have an idea of what you mean by that. I, I can't just say it in numbers, but, you know, the classes have definitely grown. We can have anywhere from 20 to 40 to 50 people and sometimes 100 during the day. Um, and we have some evening classes, but like Kendall said last week, that we're culturally based, so we use cultural, um, our cultural beliefs and stuff to bring people in um, to um, touch their spirit because their spirit has been dead for so long that they relied on mm. addiction and everything. So we're serving a good portion, and now we're reaching outside of the Phoenix area where we're starting to go to the other tribes and where we're being recognized. So what we are doing and you never limit God, right? We don't want to just keep him in the box. We're going to be going to these other reservations, too, and bring in Blue Sage healing, which is really the Holy Spirit. So um, when you talk about going to a reservation with this idea, what does that mean? Do you go and just meet with people informally, or do you have classes, or both? Or I believe it what? would be. Like, it would definitely be because um, these— Reservations already provide um, behavioral health services, but most of them take a westernized approach to it. What we want to do is um, take our services and some of the curriculum that we have at our Chandler campus and have satellite offices on the Navajo Reservation, the Hopi Reservation, the Apache Reservation, where we take the services that we provide at Blue Sage to those reservations and offer our classes that we've 
found to be highly successful and because it's more relatable, they're able to relate and see themselves, see their identity and reconnect their culture and ultimately their spirit in these classes during these sessions. And it's just going to be an amazing thing that we know and we wholeheartedly believe because God has said it on our hearts that this is a step in the right direction to allow healing more healing opportunities to a reservation, to a community that is so much underserved already. Is there, is there, this is a question to both of you guys. Is, is there a sort of a general time frame, uh, or is it all just completely individual in terms of someone, you know, coming from a place of brokenness and addiction, feeling lost? To the point where they they really start to have a sense of being starting to be healed. I I would say um, I kind of smile because when we serve our native um, people and we go to some of the reservations, even here at Blue Sage, we um, are on native time. Right? <laughs> See Kendall laugh. We are on native time. We might have a schedule and a time frame. But really, that goes out the window because it is individual time also. It depends on how okay. the person is progressing, how they're healing, and, you know, where the resistance might be. And so we don't put that Western time frame on them. You know, you got to do A, B, C, and D, and you're done. No, okay, A, B, C. Huh? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a Westerner. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. so so we take that in my question. <laughs> we take that A B C and D and say A B C oh you want to start over from A okay we'll start over from A. <laughs> right? Yeah. So so we do it yeah. so they understand it and so they incorporate it because really it's life changing spiritually. We minister to the spirit not just to the addiction. We go on beyond that addiction. What is um driving that addiction? And first, it, they could say it's anger, it's hate, but then what's behind that, right? Because anger is a secondary emotion. So we still we go deeper at a slower process because trauma is um, terrifying. And there's an old adage out there, right? You don't want to relive the past. Well, you know what? We don't yeah. relive it. We revisit it. Yeah. Just like okay. God said to Moses, um, actually Joshua in the desert, after 40 years of wandering in the desert, he tells Joshua to tell the people to remember. Now, why would he tell the people to remember? Because these are the new people, right? The new generation that were 20 and under that were not um, died away. They're the others that were now serving the Lord wholeheartedly. So it's not reliving it. It's not reliving it. It's not reliving, it. it's reliving the trauma, but revisiting it. Yes, because a visitor, you, yes. So as you remember and as you revisit, you can tell that memory, um, I'm done visiting with you today. I mean, this is kind of figuratively, right? So um, I'm going to close the door for right now. I'm going to ask you to leave. So you don't get re-traumatized. But we also okay. have the staff in place that if people are getting there, then we're able to walk with them and be able to offer the um, services. Can, can, have you got some stories, either one of you, that uh, that can show us the kind of not we 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 had Kendall's story, mm -hmm. which is beautiful, um, but what are some other stories that you could tell us that would help us to understand how you reach out to broken people and what happens to them as a result of your reach uh, reaching out to them. 
And if, okay, so if I may, you know, I guess this kind of will give you a little story, but it will also answer your question about the time framing. Okay. But, you know, for me and my personal experience, it wasn't until I had accepted, um, I took a Beauty for Ashes class that Rick was um, facilitating, and it was a trauma-based um, curriculum, and it was an intensive, like, five days that we took and you know it was just really digging into you know what all of the choices i had made really stemmed from the death of my mother because i felt like i was solely responsible for that because you know i did you felt you were responsible for I, her death there was some you know because the i was 13 years old in the hospital the night before she was making progress and i remember i took the car home from the hospital Without, yeah. you know, I asked her and she said, of course, no, what 13 year old should be driving a car 40 miles away? And, you know, I said, like, OK, well, can I get the keys? You know, I left something in the trunk and I have a basketball game tomorrow. So I took it and I drove home. And that following day is when we got the call that, you know, she had um, gotten worse. And mind you, just the day before they said she was getting better. So I took it as, you know what, she was so worried about me that she just plummeted and got in that so state you, of incoherence. You felt responsible. I felt whole I felt so responsible for it and it wasn't until I dug into that trauma and that revisitation that Rick helped me identify, you know what? Cancer killed your mother ultimately. And, you know, I remember I I actually like yelled and cried out like, Why was God so angry with me? Like what did uh -huh. I do? I was just thirteen years old, but it was at that moment I felt like you know what? I let go of that trauma. I found out where everything stemmed from. And you know what? I dug out that hole. Now it's time to fill it with the love of God, with the word, with positivity, you know, with his patience, his grace and everything. And that's exactly what I did. And that's when I would say I began healing. And I think that was like maybe three months into um, my recovery program. So okay. it just varies by individuals. There's a gentleman that we work closely with, and I remember um, that he came into the program. I wasn't there for day one, but when I first seen him, he was in another program, and he said, I like this, but I don't. It's more so brain food. Like, you know, they they're, he was talking about, you know, the westernized approach, you know, doing... um um emdr therapy and like you know um self-respect um self-love and you know just kind of like that approach you know i mean not saying that that's wrong but it was just something that he said he wasn't able to relate to so he transfers over to blue sage and he said it was the connectiveness of the drum of the smudging of the prayers the spirituality aspect of blue sage that really turned it around for him and he said once he heard the drums and smelt the sage that he knew that he was in the right place and this is a mm -hmm. remarkable young man now this young man is actually in line to be a house manager he currently facilitates he has an opportunity to become a recovery coach and he is just so remarkable and he does so much for the brothers and sisters at blue sage he takes them out to hopi you know, on, on weekend outings to participate in the Kachina dances to get them acclimated back into their culture. And it's like okay. he does this right. so selflessly 
he does it so selflessly, and at the end of the day, he still praises God. He still praises Jesus and acknowledges Amen. him. And it's just like, you know what? Life has changed, and this is a remarkable Good. young man. Thanks. Thanks, Kendall. I want to remind those of you who are listening and watching that you're listening to the Kingdom and its stories. And in this set of interviews, we we try to interview people who can, by their own testimonies, help us to think about how we can um, be used of God to help be Jesus' hands and feet to yes. other people who are struggling. And, you know, um, Kendall, it's just really interesting to me that you emphasized that the, the difference between trying to approach healing from what did you call it, the mind, the intellectual, Western kind of idea? Yes, more so um, the brain food is what the I brain was food. told. That, that, that's the phrase I was trying to find. Um, yeah, and often, you know, those of us who um, come from this Western orientation, you know, we focus on brain food. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it comes a lot from... You know, from our enlightenment background, whether we're aware of it or not. Yes. But helping people to recognize the importance of their cultural roots mm -hmm. when we deal with them and not just ignore it saying, oh, that's old superstitious stuff, you know, um, but we need to recognize the, the value of those cultural practices Absolutely. And, and and recognize their value and not just write them off. Um, and I, I would think, and you guys can help me with this, um, even as Westerners and people who haven't had that experience of, of tradition, um, if we could just not write it off, but when we engage in conversations with people who have that, to be interested and ask them, tell us about that. What does that mean? What does it mean to you? And how did that help shape who you are? Absolutely. Uh, that, yeah. that would go a long ways because uh, we can go back generations where um, the Western movement, the uh, genocide, when the Christian churches came in to help um, to um, um, educate the heathens, they took away a lot of that and they said it was evil, right? And so let's go back in the Bible. Jesus came and where did he meet the people when he started his ministry? He met them right where they're at. Exactly. So Beauty for Ashes that Kendall was talking about comes from Isaiah 61, right? But Jesus fulfills it in Luke 4. And he says it. And then he's asked this question by the Pharisees. These are the, I'm going to say this, and I apologize if I offend people, but these are the pastors and the deacons and the leaders yeah, of the day, yeah. right? No. And you so, don't, have, so um, don't be apologetic. <laughs> right. So, so Jesus came for the people. He met them right where they're at. He met the outcasts, and he went to the outcasts. And what we have gotten comfortable with in our churches is that we want to stay in our building. The yeah. question you had asked Kendall last week is, what do we say to someone like you if we're afraid of them? Jesus wasn't afraid. He went to be with them. He stood on the corner with them. 
And what Jesus did is he went in the middle of them and he told the Pharisees, I didn't come for those that are well. I came for the ones that are sick that need hope. That's what it's all about. So as Jesus has just ministered to the people right where they're at, this is what we do. And this is what we ask of others is just to meet them right where they're at. Don't be afraid. Be curious. And even mm, if you mm. get the look, even no, if you get the stop, anger. Stop, stop. Okay. You just said something that I think is really important. You said, don't be afraid. Be curious. Yes. that That's beautiful. Because I think all of those who are listening and watching today, can take that that just idea that you just expressed and use it to change our minds and our approach yes. to those people that we might be afraid of. Let's take what you just said, the, the mind food, right? We're feeding the mind. What did um, Jesus ask was the greatest commandment? And they answered him by saying, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, or your spirit. Right. Right. So we can't stop loving him with just our mind. We forget to go to the heart. We forget mm-hmm. to go to the spirit. This is what Blue Sage is doing. It we're we're bringing back to love the Lord your God with all of you. So we okay. want to synchronize those places so we can have that relationship with the Holy Spirit, so we can heal. I say that because those of us that are the facilitators, the teachers, as Kendall had expressed, we are the face of those statistics of homelessness, of domestic mm-hmm. violence, mm-hmm. of sexual abuse. We are the face. And and what's hidden is what we don't talk about in the churches is the story behind those that are in the church sitting in the pew that don't want to mention it because it's too shameful. It is shameful. But if we use our story to break that silence— and to tell evil you don't have a hold anymore. And Kendall said it, uh, it was that little boy that believed it was his fault. Evil twists that when you're a young boy or a young girl and you've been traumatized. Twists it from being somewhat of being a victim to being the one responsible. And oh, wow. we don't know any better. And so when we live that lie all of our lives, we think we deserve to be the way we are. Wow. And and we don't want to hate our moms or our dads or those that abandoned us or those that rejected us. Or, so we love them, but not with the love that only God can give us, the Creator can give us. We love them with a false love because that's the only thing that was taught to us. Yes. And so as we yeah, break Rick, that line, go ahead. We have time for one more story. Tell tell us a, uh, another story that, that would illustrate the guys, the gals, the people, the children, the adults that come into your ministry that God has used. I'm going to piggyback you with guys. I'm going to Go piggyback ahead. with Kendall because yesterday was an acknowledgement of seven of our coworkers that have been there since the beginning, and all of these seven have a story of homelessness, of addiction, of coming off the street, and all of these people that we acknowledged yesterday are working for Blue Sage and giving back to the people. So mm-hmm. um, we he talked about one a little bit ago. I actually am in the same house with him, and I love this young man to death. But we have um, a couple women that have come off the streets and that have been working at Blue Sage um, since its inception. And here's, here's the key here. I, I'm going to share this. All of those that were with Kevin Molson the first year never got paid. They just believed that God was going to bring them something. Okay. And so for the whole year, they worked selfishly, 
to give back. Did I say that right? No, you said selfishly. Selfishly. The other word, selflessly. Sorry about that. (laughs) Um, For a whole year without getting paid because they believed in Mm -hmm. giving back and serving. So talk about being the eyes and hands of God, but yet it was the voice, the look, the touch, the connection. So we don't call them clients. We call them brothers and sisters. We call them relatives. Mm -hmm. And so... um, I love that. We we have several, but I'll let Kendall kind of finish up that question. So one of the ladies that actually got recognized, she was out here in the metro area, and you know, quick, she was pregnant, got into treatment. Um, she just she just had her baby, and unfortunately, CPS got involved. But one thing that is remarkable about her story is she said no matter what she was getting into whether it was um something good or something bad you know she was during this was during her addiction she says she held on to her bible everywhere she went mm-hmm. and i think that's remarkable because it's like you know she god was with her wherever she was going no matter what she was getting herself into he was always there and a part of her life today she is a um, remarkable woman that has her daughter back in her custody. She has an apartment. She has healing that's taken place in her life. She has a family and she has goals that she is achieving one at a time. And she is always looking to God and God has always been there with her. So for those of you that are listening, no matter what situation you are in, God will always be with you. And I noticed just like as he has never left her, he has never left me, he has never left Rick. God will always be there for you, even in the dark shining that light, just waiting for you to reach out. Trust and believe that. Rick and Kendall, thank you so much for your willingness to share your lives and your hearts with us on the kingdom and its stories. God bless. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on the Kingdom and its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.